0: Everyone and welcome to Sample Size,
1: the only news podcast that cares about science.
0: I'm your host Samantha Spears,
1: and I'm your other host Cameron Boozard Jamari So Sam, what do you got for me today?
0: Oh, I got something great for you. You're gonna love it. A bunch of tech news going on. It's about Facebook.
1: I already hate it. <laughs> oh my god, I don't even want to know what kind of slimy, nasty stuff they're up to today. Let's go.
0: All right. Yes, they're in a whole host of trouble lately. New trouble because Facebook's just always in trouble, right? Always
1: in trouble. Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg keeps trying to figure out how humans behave and for some reason... It's like if he was a robot, his Mm -hmm. own machine learning algorithm should have told him something is wrong by now. Oh,
0: my God. Yes. All right. So companies are pulling ads from Facebook through July in protest for the site's failures to stop the spread of hate. It started on Friday, June 19th, when the North Face, REI and Upwork joined the advertising boycott, followed days later by Patagonia. And now over 90 advertisers have joined the boycott, including large corporations such as Ben & Jerry's, Unilever. Lever and Verizon.
1: Wow, so that's all of the money. That's all of it gone. Oh, yeah. What are they going to do now?
0: This is Facebook's whole model of making money. And the boycott, it comes after a civil rights coalition, which includes the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP. They launched a campaign called the hashtag Stop Hate for Profit, and it included a full page ad in the Los Angeles time calling for corporations to pause advertising on Facebook in July due to, quote, repeated failure to meaningfully address the vast proliferation of hate on its
1: platforms. I'm going to I just want to, like, bookmark that hate for profit thing, because if this conversation is going where I think it's going, that's the most real thing to hold on to for the rest of this talk.
0: Oh, it is very real. And I'm going to read you some of this ad that they put out because it is great it is a very powerful ad. So this is how it starts. What would you do with 70 billion dollars? We know what Facebook did. They allowed incitement to violence. Against protesters fighting for racial justice in America in the wake of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, Ahmaud Aubrey, Richard Brooks, and so many others. They amplified white nationalists by including news sources with known extremist ties in their fact checking program.
1: Really? Oh my God. People who are known for not checking any facts and only <laughs> spreading misinformation? Okay.
0: And this is how the ad ends 99% of Facebook's $70 billion is made through advertising. Who will advertisers stand with? Today, we are asking all businesses to stand in solidarity with our most deeply held American values of freedom, equality, and justice, and not advertise on Facebook services in July. Let's send Facebook a powerful message. Your profits will never be worth promoting hate, bigotry, racism, anti-Semitism, and violence. Please join us. Hashtag Stop Hate for Profit.
1: This is going to really date me, but I feel like this is the first time in a decade I've been like, I guess I could go on Facebook now. Now, because man, <laughs> those ads—they get to you. They're oof, they're oofity poofity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oofity poofity. That's my I'm new sorry. thing. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> OK, so that's great to hear, though. Like, that is a major step. If companies, especially the what you just told me at the top, if they're really buying into this and really pulling their ads, this is how change happens, unfortunately, is you really got to hit them in the wallet.
0: Oh, yeah. How do you get businesses to listen to you? You take their money away. It's simple. <laughs> it's a simple line of thinking. Yeah, and it America
1: works. is a democracy, but we don't vote with our voices or actual votes. We vote with our wallets.
0: Yes, exactly. And so you're probably wondering, like, really, how did all this? start. Like, why is this all directed at Facebook? George Floyd? Yes, that's exactly it. And so, as you know, Facebook's been trouble many times before, but this all leads back to President Trump being terrible.
1: All right, no surprise there. Although, I love the symbiosis here. I love that Facebook gets Trump elected, which gets Facebook into hot water.
0: Ah, uh, yes, it's like all this, coming together. It's like an
1: echo chamber between a large company and a bankrupt man. Oof.
0: <laughs> as you probably remember, in response to George Floyd's death at the hands of police and in response to the protests that erupted afterwards, Trump tweeted, quote, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Walsh and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control.
1: But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. Holy hell. I didn't actually know that was what the full tweet said. I knew the looting starts, shooting starts thing, but I didn't realize that this was like a we stand with George Floyd, so we're going to not do anything that has to do With exactly why George Floyd had to suffer the way he did. Like, this, it's so tone deaf. Oh my God. It is. It
0: completely is. And now, get
1: this man a tuning fork.
0: And so Twitter flagged the tweet for glorifying violence and hid the tweet behind a notice that users could click past. But Trump then decided to repeat the tweet on Facebook, and Facebook decided to not flag the post, saying that it did not violate the company's policy around inciting violence.
1: Okay, wait. So first of all, I guess retweeting on Facebook isn't a tweet. It's just a Facebook post. Yeah, he he
0: just repeated the post on Facebook.
1: That's neither here nor there. I think the real thing here is just, I don't know, it's just like... Like all of this, if it's, I don't know how this many people can be around someone and they still not get, you know, just keep going. Just keep going. I can't, we could spend all day in this one little hole.
0: Oh, you're not alone in this because after this incident, some Facebook employees staged a walkout in protest of Mark Zuckerberg's decision to keep the post and later the advertisement boycott.
1: Do you think Mark Zuckerberg does stuff not because he doesn't understand humans, but because he wants to test human behavior under different conditions? (laughs) Like, if I was a lizard man... And I wanted to understand oh, human behavior. No. I wouldn't want to, like, continuously observe them in just their natural habitat. I want to test them under extremes.
0: Oh, God. I do not want to think that we're just in some crazy experiment by, like, aliens or something.
1: I mean, it's hard not to—I don't know. <laughs> South Park has convinced me otherwise. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Also, to all those people who walked out on Mr. Zucks, congratulations. Stay out. Don't go back to Facebook. Let it burn. Let it die.
0: Yes. And and let me just address that. How powerful is it to have your employees rise up and protest? of what the CEO of a company is doing.
1: Yeah. That I always appreciate so much because that is really, first of all, I've I imagined a certain amount of privilege has to come with being able to do that. Not just anyone can Fair, just, yeah. put, there are a lot of people. Like I know there are a lot of people who work for Amazon that wish they could just walk out on Amazon on any given day because of unfair working conditions and all sorts of other very, very logical things. Mm-hmm. And they can't because they need that paycheck. And so when you're in a position that gives you that kind of privilege, and I feel like the tech sector has a lot of that, it gives a very strong message because at the end of the day, walking out, really leaving. Like this was something that that was interesting that tech companies did during net neutrality, during the whole net neutrality debate with Pai, And I think they also technically did it with Tom Wheeler, where it was the tech companies themselves were trying to like black themselves out and be like, under net neutrality, this is what the internet would look like if you couldn't access things. Oh yeah, so forgot
0: about that. And so these same people,
1: the literal pillars that hold up these companies, that these companies forget about all the time, that are literally saying, no, if you're going to be this kind of company, you need to understand the kind of people you serve. And we, the people who make your platform possible, are technically the people you serve. You need to listen to what's going on, dude. Mm -hmm. And
0: all of this stuff that happened, it actually kind of worked because on Friday, June 26, Mark Zuckerberg did announce that Facebook will start making changes. Like, they're gonna start to label potentially harmful posts that it leaves up due to their news value. And let me read you some bullets of other things he said Facebook will start doing. Like, banning ads that describe different groups as a threat based on descriptors such as race or immigration status, removing content even from a politician if it determines that incites violence or suppresses voting, monitoring information on voting conditions in the 72 hours before an election with stricter standards for posts that appear to intimidate or mislead people, and having election posts include an automatic link to the company's new voting information center, which is meant to provide authoritative information on the election. So, Cameron, what do you think about all this?
1: I actually find this funny because a lot of the things you just told me are actually things other countries do to protect their elections from misinformation. Like France literally has like a media blackout leading up to an election about you're not supposed to be able to spam like things about politicians. It's basically like we've created an echo chamber where the politicians get out their opinions. Mm-hmm. And then for that few days leading up to the election, it's nothing. No media outlets are allowed to talk about whatever. They're just going to go to the polls and it's just going to be whatever. And that's, it gives breathing space for people to actually think about and not get bombarded with news, especially fake news. Like this was funny because Russia in the most recent French election tried to use misinformation campaigns against the French. And because they do this media blackout, it was way less effective than it was in the United States because it was literally illegal for them to share that kind of content. What?
0: I didn't even hear about that. That's insane.
1: Yeah. And a lot of countries do this. And the fact that like, this is what always hurts so much is like there are so many other countries that are considered democracies, like Mm -hmm. what we like to think of ourselves as, that a better example for what we're doing than we do and it's so it's inst- like they're giving us the playbook there's no secret here there's no like secret playbook of how to do a democracy right it's just there are things you should just think are just just do that I realize our government doesn't always like to like look at other countries and be like no we are, we are the shining city on the hill people learn oh, from yeah. us so I get that mentality but come on guys like like Mark Zuckerberg shouldn't get any credit for doing the bare minimum
0: well and just to inform the listeners the reason why this voting. St- Stuff is coming up in Facebook's new policies is because, as you remember in the 2016 election, there was election tampering, would you call it, from Russia?
1: Is social media influence campaign by the Russian government. Like, there were literally yeah. giant tower buildings in Russia full of propagandists who were literally, like, ex-news reporters, people who just spent all their time on social media, technologists, who, they tested this on Ukraine before the 2016 election. They literally tested on Ukraine, could they influence an election mm-hmm. and they could they had moderate success and so they literally have these entire places where people are coordinating protests and they would even hire people to put on fake protests they literally paid for the creation of false media and false events to stoke this kind of controversy and i'm sure we're going to talk about it but like controversy is a key word there
0: i was just about to mention because i thought a big part of russian's influence was not necessarily swinging a person's viewpoint for one side of the, for being like pro-Trump or pro-Hillary Clinton, wasn't it mostly just to create conflict and like doing a bunch of these things to have all this misinformation out there so it would just be like a battleground of people really hating on each other?
1: Yeah, and unfortunately they found, like normally you could create misinformation a number of ways, but because of social media platforms they could hyper-target exactly who they wanted to go after and how mm. they wanted to stoke specific fears using specific pieces of content that are were constantly cranking out. Okay, but I'm sure we're going to go even further into this, but I think there was more to what you wanted to share with me. Oh,
0: yes. So funny enough, I mentioned how on June 26, Mark Zuckerberg announced all those changes that Facebook would be doing. Well, soon after that, on July 8th, the final report from a two year civil rights audit was published and it did not make Facebook look any better. So it did mention some steps that Facebook has taken in the past two years to combat misinformation and address hate speech, but it also said that Facebook's reaction to civil rights was too reactive and recommended Facebook to do a number of things, which I'll read out, like have a more robust and consistent enforcement of its voter suppression policies, have more visible prioritization of civil rights, more resources to study and address hate, a commitment beyond just banning explicit references to white nationalism, and concrete actions to address concerns about algorithmic bias or discrimination. So basically, it concluded that Facebook simply needs to do more and be consistent with what they do.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah, this goes back to what I said. Mark Zuckerberg should not get credit for doing the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. This is what we expect of anyone who wants to operate in our country, because this is like the weird thing. It's like America is its own tug of war, right? Like we want to protect everyone, but we also want to give everyone freedom. And in the middle there is what America is. But it's so clear that like... Like They're favoring one side to the point where it's not the way we think of our country. It's just this weird amalgam of things that a certain type of person considers to be acceptable that really stokes a certain, let's call it, I guess, atmosphere, mentality that gets to that controversy and then uses that controversy to keep people on their platform. And honestly, much like any other outlet, the entire goal is for the platform itself to help moderate, but their own moderation rules don't seem to be doing anything meaningful.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I found most interesting in that report was its emphasis on consistency and Facebook being reactive. And I think when you go back in history of all of Facebook's decisions and what it chooses to moderate and what it doesn't choose to moderate, it speaks exactly to that. They're kind of just flying off the cuff. (laughs) Like, they're creating the rules as they go. So, I mean, in all of this, Cameron, what do you think? Like, do you think social media companies should be censoring or labeling content? Like, should they be acting as news sources?
1: I mean, this is, well, let me preface this with my prestige. Here's the prestige of a (laughs) camera. I actually have a background in technology law. I am a privacy engineer by education, and I get to do some of that in my job. And a lot of what we keep seeing is how these different companies not just use collect data, but how they use data. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of discussion about how we should treat social media companies like publishers. I'm sure everyone listening to this probably heard some variation of this, but it's basically, this is where people get news. where people get a lot of their information. But unlike a traditional newspaper or TV outlet, they can hyper-target who you are as an individual and serve you the content they think will most appeal to you. And oftentimes, in order to keep you engaged with their platform, that means serving you content that speaks to emotions. So things that make you angry, things that show hate, things that are not usually the good emotions. Like sometimes you might get off, if you stick to like wholesome hashtags or something, maybe you'll get good things. But most social media platforms thrive off of you staying on them, which usually means controversy.
0: And I feel like this has actually bled over into normal news sites because now it seems like a lot of times when news stories are being released, they are thinking first about how many clicks is this going to get? Ooh, I need to have the juiciest headline. So this is going to be trending or something.
1: Yeah, like the typical cliched line you always hear from reporters is if it bleeds, it leads. It's Mm -hmm. the most controversial things are usually the things you want to prioritize. But social media companies have shown us when you have this much data and understanding of your users, you can hype prioritize what bleeds for a specific person. Something that might seem non-threatening or just boring to someone can seem extremely threatening to another person based on how they view their way of life. And you're right. This has actually bled over. There are lots of companies, I think actually BuzzFeed would periodically publish articles where they'd have multiple titles for it and figure out which titles got the oh, most clicks yeah. and set that to be the default title for the rest of the day because they were focused on which of these work the best. And a lot of the times when you see the different like you can see listicles and stuff but listicle is a list article that explains a list of things this is a term i was i learned <laughs> about very recently and i legitimately thought it was like a bad term for anatomy until
0: this turned into the sample size dictionary corner <laughs> yes
1: we should get a dictionary just like somewhere on a website or something just so people know but yeah they definitely do these where like they they can have fairly innocuous articles but they will choose specific words specific associations that give it a bigger sense of urgency or speak to emotion and then use that to specifically market content to you. Because just like those big social media companies, they need to keep you engaged with their content.
0: So how does the way to get clicks, how does this then affect misinformation and really like what should social media companies be doing?
1: I mean, for one thing, the thing that has the most controversy is going to be the thing that gets the most clicks and likes. And so it's a thing you're going to keep seeing. In fact, YouTube actually had this funny problem. They call called it the Gangnam Style Problem because they updated their algorithm. Ah. So every time you watched a video, it would try to recommend another video to keep you on the site, and it would keep being the next most popular video until you got to the most popular video, which at the time was the Gangnam Style video. (laughs) And then they tweaked their algorithm and it went hard in the opposite direction. Now, yeah. if I watch something, it's going to show me something a little more niche or controversial to the point where now we have like conspiracy theorists and alt-right people getting lots of attention in their videos because they are this weird, tiny population that has such crazy views that people just stay engaged with them. And that's the problem. is like Russia is literally making you content that makes people angry and makes you want to stick on the site to do stuff mm-hmm. during the entire 2016 election. So, of course, that's the content that their algorithm is going to prioritize in addition to anything that was being paid for to run as an ad to target say you or me. They know who this specialized person, who a swing voter might be. This is also the Cambridge Analytica story. There was so much data on so many people that they could figure out all sorts of horrifying things. They could figure out if you were going to break up with your partner or fell out of love with them based on just your post history. What? Yeah. There's so much stuff you can do with data based on just trend analysis and at some point machine learning.
0: And it seems like a lot of these practices are just somehow empowering the people with the most controversial and hate-filled speech, which is aligning a lot with white nationalists and the alt-right, which just leads to more and more hate.
1: But if we go back to what we are talking about at the top of the episode, this is also a special moment because they're not the people who actually get Facebook the most money. Facebook doesn't actually care about what's being shared on Facebook as mm-hmm. long as you're on Facebook. What they care about is the people who sell ads on Facebook because they are the people who give the actual money that keep Facebook's actual servers up and their employees pay. Without that money, they would have to come up with a new way to think about how they use and sell their platform. And so that's why I was so happy to hear about all these big companies, like really the people who are probably throwing tons of money at Facebook to serve ads for all sorts of things. Like think of all the products Unilever makes, mm-hmm. disinfectants, other stuff, Unilever, <laughs> No, But they're these large conglomerates. They're literally large conglomerates that eat all the other smaller brands underneath them. And every single ad that goes into Facebook for Coca-Cola or for Febreze or for whatever is coming from one of these big conglomerates. And when that money disappears, when literally 99% of the money that goes into making Facebook a profitable company disappears, that's when Zuckerberg really has to think about what the hell is he doing? And it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate that it takes that and not destroying an American election to cause that kind of shift.
0: Very true. Very, very
1: true. Oh, And I think like just the last point on top of all of this is at the end of the day, the most painful thing to think about is it's also kind of on us. We have to be more conscious about the kinds of things these companies are doing, because at the end of the day, they don't actually get a lot by telling us what's going on. And that's why if you want to go back to the thing you mentioned about Twitter versus Facebook, I think mm-hmm. that'd be a great place to end is that is something that many social media companies companies don't really care to do they really care to do because it interrupts your experience so if i recall you were explaining twitter they put up basically like a click wall it's something that said before you click on this understand it has was it misinformation or hate speech or something in it
0: yeah glorified (laughs) violence and like you know has a little blurry image you got to have an extra click to see it
1: yeah and that's context that's something that in a world driven by social media where everything's look at this image give me a like whatever context kind of goes out the window it's easy to see a a short video of something really cute without getting the context of not just that one specific interaction, mm-hmm. but also the number of interactions that are or not happening around. And this thing, especially for people who have as much importance as the president of the United States, being able to give context like that is extremely valuable. And I really wish more companies could do this, but it's a cost because as soon as you put that click wall there, you've interrupted my experience. And now maybe I don't want to spend as much time. Time on your platform. That's something that unfortunately they're dealing with. That I feel, especially as I've seen with a lot of younger users of these different platforms, they're becoming more aware of. Like I've seen a lot of different discussions of. I know a lot of younger people, and by younger people I mean under the age of thirty. Yeah. And especially under the age of twenty are leaving platforms like Facebook and have been leaving them because they create these obnoxious echo chambers. They have terrible, terrible data use policies in terms mm-hmm. of how they can just continuously use and scrape up all your data. And they create a painful history that now you have to just live with. Like humans are designed to forget things. And these companies are designed to only hold on to things. (laughs) They want to hold on to you and by extension your data and then use all of that to sell ads to all these companies. And it by itself creates a terrible environment.
0: And I think the big thing is, is that these companies realizing that the majority of its users actually want these policies in place, like they actually want hate speech to be sent they want things to have more context to them. They don't want to, you know, have these radical ideas and people be proliferating on these sites. They just want to have their own little social media experience. And it's a good thing that these large companies are actually starting to notice that and put pressure on social media companies to say, hey, you should change. You should listen to what the majority of the people using your platform want.
1: Yeah, and I know a discussion I'm sure we'll end up having lots of times in the future is should they be treated like publishers or Mm -hmm. like middlemen? Is their goal to just get us in touch with each other or to moderate the kinds of things they publish? Because think about it, a normal newspaper publisher takes their time. They have to be very measured in what they publish unless they are a certain news network that has three letters And Technically all of them, (laughs) except for NPR. NPR, you guys keep it up. You guys, great. (laughs) Iron glass fist bump to you through the air, (laughs) through your favorite medium into your ears. But for all these other outlets, especially the television outlets and the newspapers, They are expected to have a certain kind of moderation goes into them, and they're not usually served up to a specific group. They aren't invading the places you go to turn your brain off.
0: So honestly, we could have more discussion on that. But I think the best place to end on that is just that social media, whether they wanted to or not, they've become a new source. And so they have to have these clear fact checking and labeling procedures to prevent widespread misinformation.
1: I think on that note, I'm just going to go ahead and plug if you enjoyed this episode and you probably have because you made it this far in the conversation please like subscribe wherever you are getting podcasts because we love to have these kinds of conversations and most importantly we want to hear from you what do you think about should social media companies be considered publishers or our past episodes how do we need to think about health care for people of all types and genders and how should established journals handle data and publishing studies like there's so many amazing things to talk about and we know you guys have lots of insights opinions opinions. opinions that we can benefit from and we would love to learn and share. So please follow, like, subscribe, all those things.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, not all these discussions we have, there aren't completely, you know, black and white issues.
1: And they're issues that we're going to keep following.
0: Oh, yeah, completely. We're going to keep up on these. And so if you want to reach us, you can find us on social media at Sample Size Show. And also, if you would like to read more about everything I mentioned in this episode, all of my links are in the show notes. Till next time. All right. All see right. you, guys.